Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Fostering communities in which people can connect and learn from each other is a challenging task, particularly when the community is comprised of people from around the world with different interests. To explore how this can be done, today I'm speaking with Christine Fairchild, who is Oxford University's Director of Alumni Relations and a Fellow of Jesus College, Oxford. She is responsible for supporting links between alumni of the Collegiate University of Oxford through the robust offering of events, benefits, services, and communication vehicles. The university has over 350,000 known alumni, including more than 44,000 in 188 countries outside of the UK. Before arriving to Oxford, Christine had over 20 years of experience in alumni relations at Harvard Business School. She headed up the external relations at HBS, overseeing the school's alumni outreach and fundraising activities. Christine also worked at the Harvard Art Museum. Thank you very much, Christine, for joining me today. Delighted to be here, Kinga. Thank you. I wanted to explore with you alumni and creating communities among such diverse groups. Working with alumni in these major universities, a big part of your job is to connect people and foster these relationships that create a community among very, very diverse groups of people. I wanted to first ask you, what does it mean to you to create a global community? Well, it's first a privilege, I would say. Um, And I think I have to be very clear that I'm not creating this community in that the community existed and has existed the moment alumni were recognized as a core constituency within the university. And they existed because they were shared, they, they shared an experience. And I think mm-hmm. that's sort of at the root of any alumni community. It's, it's a shared experience that you have, and it's, a, it's an alliance with and a dedication to institution that gave you that shared right. experience. So, so, of course, it cannot begin after someone graduates. It's something that well, yeah, people do. You know, it's the, the communities created while they're here. And exactly. And, and in perfect institutions, mm-hmm. they've created it or they've given that person a sense of it even before they've come to the institution. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but okay. I know that distinction between a U.S. university and a U.K. university, one of the big distinctions is that U.S. universities are very good at starting from the moment that somebody thinks about maybe applying to a school, to a right. university, that sense of buying into that community begins there. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I what I would say about the notion of creating a global community is is that it really does need that that stickiness. It needs that institution to to rally around. Mm-hmm. Alumni won't connect just for the sake of connecting. They really need the sort of connective tissue that yes. gives them the reason or, or that it provides the backdrop for the connections. So in this case of Oxford in particular, it comes on, on many levels, and this is the classic nature of a, of a sort of a federated system mm-hmm. at Oxford with 38 different colleges and myriad different departments 
all wrapped around by this envelope of the university. Right. It means that people and, and the community of its alumni connect on many different levels. So there's the college connection, which is so profound. If you're an undergraduate uh, alumnus or alumna from Oxford, your connection is first and foremost with that 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 entity because you are living in that college for three years, you're studying in it, you're your friends are in it, your social network is in it, your um, networking potential is in it, your emotional connection is there. Mm. If you were here as a graduate student, which is your situation, Kinga, yes. a connection to a college might not be quite as, as strong as your connection to the department mm. because of the professional nature of mm. your, of your uh, relationship with that department. And then if you uh, think about the university as a whole, this uh, notion of connecting into the community as a as a graduate of Oxford, mm-hmm. that that reputational sort of alliance, if you will, or affiliation, is terribly important. Especially the further away you get from the university, I think, okay. and I mean in in distance, not just simply in your in your age, but certainly those alumni who live in you know China, let's say, or Japan or Singapore, they they really affiliate with that institution because mm-hmm. that's where people know that's the that's the brand mm-hmm. people are most aware of in those in those parts of the world so creating the community i, I we don't create it we simply abet it Fond- if you will foster, foster it, it. exactly facilitate. exactly right. and it's it's in a way easier to do now because we've got so much more at our at our beck and call, you know, technology is a huge supporting mm-hmm. mechanism. The ability to engage both cyber on a cyber level, but also um, uh, on a on a more sort of a, a regular level, because communication is so fluid now, mm-hmm. that helps us. But I think it's so important for us to think and continue to think that that face to face contact and that notion that you're actually engaging in a personal way mm-hmm. with people who've also had the Oxford experience. We don't want to minimize that. So we can't leave it all to technology. We can't leave it all to our communications channels. We have to invest as as an institution in fostering those personal relationships. Mm. And we can do some of that through helping on a professional networking level, for instance. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the ways in which the university can be perceived as, 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 as valuable to its, its alumni is by providing access to professional networking and skill building. Right. So then what you how you would define what because it is a community like mm. any other except it is so disparate. Yes. In geography mm. and also in the, the the aspects that connect people different topics of interest and except it's the school that they went to that brings them together. But so what does this look like? What would you say would a healthy community of this sort of a mm. school Oxford being one of them. What what does that look like? Yeah. Well, it's evolved over the years. It, in the past, you know, maybe 50 years ago, what it looked like was probably groups of alumni around the world who got together for sort of socializing and, and, and if you will, networking, although it wasn't mm-hmm. ever... It wasn't ever a word used in, you know, 50 years ago, um, simply on sort of on more sort of social bases, I'd say. Um, now, a healthy alumni community looks like a much more robust two way street kind of a community where the alumni community feels supported mm-hmm. and valued by its institution. It is uh, also a community of people that is 
inspired to be involved in that institution okay. in, in any number of ways. Right. And, and part of this is there is much more of an imperative for alumni to be involved. In other words, institutions have woken up and realized the value that their alumni play and, and the need to involve them in terms mm -hmm. of extending its reputation, but also in building um, resource for current students and and the current alumni body through those alumni, so, right. sort of through that alumni, maybe it's volunteering, networking, as a, uh, serving as a mentor, that sort of stuff. So I'd say, what does an, a, a vibrant alumni community look like now? It looks like one that is is really engaged, and I use the word engaged in sort of quotation marks because it you measure engagement through so many different ways. There's not one perfect answer to that question, sure. but engaged might mean I uh, come back to the university when I can to redip or to reinvigorate myself, mm -hmm. or I serve as an online mentor to students, mm -hmm. or I'm willing to host students as they um, as they depart to go to Oxford. I'm willing to give them sort of, you know, my advice and, yes. and help them on their way. Or in the cases of some universities in the States, I might actually participate in the interview process when students okay. are applying. That doesn't happen in this country so much. But but so that, that engagement model can take a lot of different shapes right. and directions to it. But it is one that is uh, operating as in, in a... a two-way street. Exactly. A two-way street. And exactly. You, and you mentioned just a little bit ago that alumni are also looking to be supported by their by their school mm. and what does that what does that mean supported how so that's very left? different also you know 50 years ago the experience you had at your university was very transactional you would come in study go away and you know perhaps on your resume you would have oxford mm -hmm. but the expectation that oxford was a part of your life in any kind of truly sort of identifiable way was was really not there. But I think with the advent of fees being charged, mm -hmm. I think there is more of an expectation that alumni have that their university is going to support them. They've paid those mm -hmm. those pounds and the expectation is that it's going to somehow, you know, create more of, if you will, an obligation somehow. And I think that is that is what our universities should be doing. I think we have a, we do have an obligation to give back to our former students and be present in their lives. Um, if we are going to ask things from them, mm -hmm. we have an obligation to give them resources. So that looks like, for instance, I do think careers support is one of the most profound ways in which we can make a difference in our in our graduates' lives. Ongoing career support. Ongoing, absolutely. If you imagine yourself, yourself especially, transitioning through various careers mm -hmm. and various positions over the course of your life, you're not going to just do one thing. The notion that the community will adapt to that and will be there for you in some way, whether it's serving as mentors, your fellow alumni will be mentors, or whether the central career office is providing um, online resources for you, whether it's learning, um, skill building, whether it's helping you sort of re-adapt your resume for a new adventure. There's every opportunity for, I think, us to continue to stay relevant and, and provide value. Mm. I think we think about ourselves, you know, our lives are a series of these sort of journeys, these micro journeys. Yes. And if the university can stay relevant to you through those micro journeys, all the better mm. in keeping that relationship alive. And this is a huge, I mean, this is obviously not, not also numbers-wise a huge community, uh, but it's also a very multifaceted learning community. I mm. mean, we can certainly uh, think of it as a learning community. Mm -hmm. One aspect being people keeping in touch with their friends and colleagues, 
but at the same time also being able to to learn from people in that community about their careers, about different mm -hmm. aspects of life. And facilitating this is obviously a really big job. So, mm. you know, it's one thing to do this within an ex within a physical community, like a school, but you are working globally. So yes. what is your, what do you think is the most critical aspect of your role in trying to pull together and and facilitate this relationship between these huge number of people? Well, I think the fact that we are in this federated environment with the colleges, 38 different colleges and hundreds of other departments as well. And I guess just to quickly explain uh, that all students and all faculty who are at Oxford University are a part of one of these colleges. Yes. And everyone who's a part of this one of the colleges is part of Oxford University. Exactly, so, right? yes. Okay. But what's interesting is the way the university is structured and the policies around applying to study here as well as the experience you have here as a student it might take you three years before you see any representation from the central university. You may be far more engaged with and involved with your college or your department, your tutors yeah. and you know, all of that. So, so how we, as the central alumni relations office at Oxford, represent ourselves and how we talk about the value we provide, um, we've had to be fairly disciplined about that, and we've clarified it in the following ways. We have... Um, understood and, and and are clear in our minds that colleges indeed do own that relationship with their undergraduate students mm -hmm. first and foremost because of the, the nature of their experience and the emotional act of being associated with that college for those three years. We do acknowledge that the departments have a very strong relationship with their graduate students and even with their undergraduates as well and that especially amongst graduate students, because it's often what you go on to do in your mm -hmm. life, what you yes. studied, we, we want to honor that and give the departments the room to have that relationship yes. with their former students. But we, as our office is concerned, see ourselves as the stewards of the reputation of the university, the sum of its parts. Okay. And when you talk about the University of Oxford's alumni as a learning community, one of the things that is truly distinctive about it, I think, is its passion for learning. Mm -hmm. They, you know, the students came here for that experience of the tutorial system yes. and having that really rigorous intellectual stimulation. We want to continue that on in into their alumni relationships. Um, we want, as our office is structured, to put out or put forth the opportunities for people to re-dip in the intellectual experience here. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, one of the things that we do that's sort of our, one of our signature things is a series of international events around the world that feature multiple academics speaking about the latest cutting-edge research mm -hmm. at Oxford. Our most visible event is our Oxford Alumni Weekend in September, where we have over 100 events over the course of three days, two and a half days, that people can come back to and even let's say you studied you know biology but today you're actually you know a lawyer you might be really interested in somehow the collections at the Ashmolean or in the you know marine biology happening the latest research in marine biology we want to give alumni the most sort of sweeping opportunities mm -hmm. to engage with the intellectual property of the university so that's what we really see our job is doing is, mm -hmm. is keeping that reputation and keeping intact ongoing learning with our experience. alumni exactly and give people a chance to come back and re re-engage on an intellectual basis mm -hmm. with what the university has to offer right yeah that sounds like an amazing weekend definitely mm. to to come back to mm. as you're facilitating these 
is there something that you think is particularly important in, in your role and how you try to you create these amazing opportunities and to get people to come back, to reach out to someone that maybe doesn't quite realize that, mm. that this is happening, you know, other than creating information and how, how do you, I mean, I know you're always traveling and you're going to different parts of the world to, to engage people, but what do you think is the, is something that's key to your role in getting those people when you mm. go to a different country, to making sure people come and how do you get them to, to re-engage? Yeah, I, I, it's a really tough, it's not a tough question. It's it's a great question, but it is a tough task because we are a very small operation if you consider 350,000 alumni around the world and really there are just 15 of us and only only a small percentage of that 15 have got the ability to kind of get out and and see people. There's a right. you know strong administrative function here in the office as well. But I think that's why we are so so grateful to our volunteer network to help it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what every university does is to inspire and inform and empower your volunteers to do much of the work for you because mm-hmm. they are often the people on the ground in mm-hmm. those remote locations or even not so remote locations. They can be up in, you know, Lincolnshire or they can be in, you know, uh, Cornwall who do such amazing work in inspiring alumni to stay involved. So we have a a network of 188 alumni groups around the world that are powered by volunteers, and they really carry the water on a local level. Mm. They are the ones that pull speakers, uh, academics from the university to speak to alumni in that region. They run a series of social events and also maybe some networking events. It depends on what their mm-hmm. sort of makeup is in terms of their their demographic. But but it's those it's those sort of micro sites, those micro communities that really help to keep things alive. There's yeah. only so much that we can do now. Again, we are benefited as Oxford, the way the Oxford is structured, we're, we are on the beneficiary level of, of having colleges doing outreach, departments doing outreach, mm-hmm. uh, some of the sports groups doing outreach, museums, libraries, gardens. You know, there's all these different entities at the mm-hmm. university that are all keen to engage with pockets of alumni around the world. So, right. so it's happening and we are not the only ones that are doing it. Yeah, so, so it's, it's very multifaceted. Exactly. And how think, you reach out to a community to get everyone engaged. And I guess that's yes. that would be very true, for example, in a in a physical school, in a small school, mm-hmm. or in a, in a company. Is that you need very different ways of reaching out mm. and engaging your your I think the difference people. is and, and maybe it's a plus but it's also a minus, is the um, is the ability to control some of that activity and messaging so that it happens in a way that's strategic mm-hmm. and not simply spewing sort out of, information. Yeah. So I think our alumni potentially could be overwhelmed by the amount of information they get from the university as a whole because they're hearing from their college, they're hearing from their department, they're hearing from maybe a library or a sporting group, they're hearing from the university. And and it can be overload. Uh, mm-hmm. That's possible, certainly. So in a in another in another setting, say a, a maybe a corporate setting. Let's take, you know, McKinsey for instance, mm-hmm. one of the big consulting firms. Yes. And they too have an alumni relations team, and they have an alumni community. But they're very clear about how they communicate with that community, because it's centralized. It's coming from pretty much you know the <clears throat> the home office or the mothership. Yes. And and it's it's fairly um, 
not predictable, but but it's fairly consistent. Okay. Whereas the challenge we have at something that is so, so like Oxford that is on you know operating on so many different levels, is coordinating our messages so that they actually get get the kind of traction that they deserve, mm -hmm. and that's a big challenge for us. Um, you know, now that they, there's a whole new set of restrictions around data today that wasn't there 20 years ago or even a year ago that is requiring us to ask permission of alumni in terms of what would you like to hear from and who would you like to hear from. Mm -hmm. And on a one on one level, it's great because it means alumni are in control of what they hear. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's, it's limiting our ability to communicate with people because they may not realize they have to actually give permission. So it's a, it's, it is a more complicated world now in getting information out to people. Mm -hmm. We're all much more adept at it, which mm -hmm. means that we're all throwing our best efforts behind it. Mm -hmm. And it means that potentially you're sort of drowning each other out because it's, it's, it's information overload right. somewhat. Which is a danger, definitely. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about you've had amazing experiences here as well as back in the U.S. So you've worked for... U.S. institutions, Harvard specifically, and now you are here at Oxford, and they're very different cultures, both as countries and as educational institutions. What are the differences between alumni in these big educational institutions? Mm. I, I think there are some very profound differences. A lot of them are embedded in culture. Mm -hmm. So in America, we are all born with this little microchip embedded in our in our necks, I think, that is a sort of a cheerleading microchip. And, and we go to our institutions, whether it's, you know, you go to, maybe you go to an independent school for high school or even your public high school and you go on to college and you are you are empowered from the moment you arrive to be enthusiastic and involved and and cheerleading. So you're invited back regularly to homecoming events and football games and soccer games and all this you know incredible activity where the alumni community is is seen as a vital part of of every institution in the U.S. It's right. absolutely been part of our DNA. Yeah. That's a very new phenomenon here. You know, it's taken a long time, I think, for, for UK universities to realize that their alumni can be, can be advocates and supporters and influencers, as well as philanthropists and, mm -hmm. and supporting on a financial level. Yes. So it means that we've not been very articulate of our expectations for alumni. We've okay. never until, or haven't until recently, been, been really clear about what we think the potential is for alumni to be involved. Okay. And that means that we are catching up. So another difference is that in the UK, there hasn't been a long history of philanthropy in, in the in same way that there has been, in, exactly, yeah. that there has been in the US. Right. So it means that people are not comfortable talking about money. It means okay. that universities have been sometimes jump-starting. They've gone out with asks, with fundraising asks, without having built... A relationship with their constituencies. They've they've preempted the relationship and gone straight to the asking for money bit, mm. which is very bad and and has created I think a sense of bad will from the standpoint of alumni feeling well the only thing you care about really is my money and yeah. so so that's not always resulted in in good outcomes. So in a culture that is so different and mm. has a very different history of how you support and how you cheer for your school. How do you create that transition of when people are uncomfortable talking about raising mm. funds, uh, which obviously is important for all schools? 
Um, how do you start that conversation in a soft way to, to try to build that? I think it has a lot to do with communication. I think we are institutionally, we are not used to in the UK telling our story in a coherent and cogent okay. fashion. We've not talked about our needs very transparently. I don't think we've shared... We as know, in schools. We as in our universities, yes. Okay. We've not shared our sort of balance sheets from the day, from right. the get-go. So there's not been an appreciation on the part of the populace what it takes to run a university, the mm -hmm. costs associated with it. Yes. And until we tell our story better, until mm -hmm. we are clearer about what the imperative is to give... Yeah. Uh, we're not going to get the kind of response that they do get in the States. Right. So I think it all comes down to really from the top down and, and across the institution, mm -hmm. everybody being informed about what that message mm -hmm. is and being on message mm -hmm. and and then beginning to, to, to tell the story without asking for something back immediately, yes. telling it for the sake of telling it, mm -hmm. and then get to a point where you, you are a trusted institution to that in individual or set of individuals so that you're in a place where you can right. ask credibly for money yes. Yes. or for their time or for their influence. Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing that we've been slow to do here in the UK is to realize that alumni can give back on many, many other levels than simply funding mm -hmm. a project. There is, you know, we are moving away in our operation, for instance, in alumni relations from counting simply the number of people who come to events. We're, we're now counting the way in which people um, can go on to have an impact based on their attending at an event. Oh, really? So in other okay. words, it's embedding, it's embedding calls to action in the work that we do okay. instead of simply, we, we will not have an event, you know, that's a pure social event, you know, drinks and nibbles, come, come to a, an alumni event, have a drink and you know, meet other alumni. We we won't do simply that. It's got to be a bit more a bit more pithy. You know, we want to give you some content so you're walking away better informed. You understand a particular slice of research, maybe, or you understand the university's strategic priorities. Mm -hmm. And then we might actually say in that talk, you know, gosh, Kinga, one of the things we're really looking to do is increase the number of funded internships for mm -hmm. students. If any of you in the audience might be willing to host a student for a funded internship, we would be delighted to talk to you about it. So it's yeah. that sort of thing. It's a it's a bit more... Action-oriented. It is. So it is. Yeah. Well, it used to be more about keeping up friendships, and that was definitely true mm. always in the UK as well, that schools, your schoolmates yes. um, w would stay in touch, and you would be friends with people who also went to the same schools as you. But now it's creating this action mm. of... Uh, supporting each other in our learning and in our exactly. in our careers, yes, which is um, which is becoming more and more mm. um, important. Important, really yeah. important. Exactly. Uh, there's uh, there's a phrase out there that you hear quite often: um, friend raising. When we people, people okay, contrast fundraising with alumni relations, they will often say alumni relations is all about friend raising, mm. and I hate that term, friend raising. I really do, because I, I don't think it's friends that we are looking for. We are really looking for advocates. Mm -hmm. It is an advocacy-based organization, really, right. when you think about it. I think friend raising sort of makes it too simplistic. I think it, we really need to be thinking more strategically about our constituents and, and the role they play in the institution and their power, really mm -hmm. the power that they bring to an institution, both as advising us, you know, telling us a bit about the world they work in or live in to help inspire students in their career paths, 
or opening doors for us, influencing government perceptions, influencing the press, responding in the press when the press says, you know, really in misinformed things about us. I really want our alumni to be standing up on our behalf. And this does also play into the fact that it is a very intertwined world and having an academic institution looking only internally and Ooh. studying is yeah. really not... No, it's very bad. It's, you know, we're trying to have multidisciplinary mm. research and also this is one way of mm-hmm. looking outwards, isn't it? Of Absolutely. Facilitating your school, your university to, to, to look out to the alumni and mm-hmm. the knowledge they can bring back. Absolutely. Which is really important. Do you think that's something that maybe some organizations miss? Like, what do you think are some of the pitfalls that yeah, people I think, fall into? I think we miss it just because we're so focused on, you know, I just want to focus on getting a number of people to come to our event, and that's all I'm measured on. Mm. I think we really need to be thinking about the bigger picture and the longer tail to these relationships mm-hmm. and and the fact that it, it, it all makes us a stronger institution if we think about it over the long term. It's not, it's not a short game. It's not something that you put a couple of programs in place and you're done. It's a constant process of evaluating, of, of looking out and understanding the community, what they want, how they behave, what the institution needs, what the priorities are, and marrying those things up so right. that they are all sort of this kind of self-fulfilling. Yeah. And as you said, it doesn't start when someone students graduated. It starts when they apply. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes, it exactly. should start because you want to, you know, with a quality... <clears throat> education and mm-hmm. quality experience mm. where everyone's engaged that is what really then initiates people to be engaged afterwards as well yeah. so what do you think are we talked about some of the key differences between the US and the UK in, in in this regard what do you think one thing is that the US schools could learn from the UK and vice versa it's a great question the learnings from the UK gosh it's not a learning but it's probably more a fact i guess from the standpoint of these ancient universities, mm-hmm. the benefits of history, I think, is, is really quite powerful. I guess one of the things that is exciting to see is that because the UK is sort of later to the game of alumni engagement, it means it's had to, to operate faster. It's had to, it's had to be more agile. It's had to maybe leap over certain things that they did in the U.S. that were because they had a they had more time. They, they kind of evolved in this lovely, sort of gentle way. And I think the thing I'm I'm certainly seeing is amongst U.K. universities there is some real embracing of innovation and 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 sort of new enterprise, new ways of thinking. Okay. I had a great conversation, for instance, on Friday with my counterpart at Nottingham University, who's done some really impressive work on understanding their alumni journeys. This is this, it's it's a bit of a page that that we're all taking from the retail world where we're trying to understand our customers better. Mm -hmm. And we do that through building these archetypes of alumni or customers that help represent, if you will, the alumni population as a whole. So you, if you go through the due diligence with whoever your consultant is to get the, the output is that you end up with, you know, X number of profiles that you feel represent these 
these types of individuals within your alumni base. Mm. And it helps you with your messaging. It helps you think about your programming because you look through the lens of that individual right. and collectively make a decision around, I, I want to, that's the type of individual I want to engage. Mm. And therefore I need to do something specific mm. for them. So it's a much more sort of customer driven approach to alumni analysis, I'd say, instead right. of simply looking at demographics and looking at, oh my goodness, you know, 30% of our alumni are under the age of, or over the age of 80, and uh, instead of just the demographics, which only tell one percentage mm -hmm. or one perspective of the story, this gives you a bit more of a, of a 360 degree view of alumni. So Nottingham has done some really, 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 really exciting work in this area. Very professional, very exciting, and it's really taking them into some new and important areas as they think about developing their next big capital campaign, for mm -hmm. instance, how they structure it, what the messaging is, what the taglines are, all of that. So I think one of the things that the UK is doing, because it's had to, is to innovate faster, maybe. Mm -hmm. And some of the institutions in the US, because of their long history of alumni engagement, they, they haven't had to do some of that. They've been able, because it's been so strong, they haven't had to do that innovation bit. Right. What can we learn from them? Well, um, we have to be very careful because uh, I don't think it's possible to take an American approach to alumni relations and plonk it down into sure. an English system because you, like anything, the you cultural things cultural. doesn't work, yes. Mm -hmm. However, there are little bits and pieces and, and you hope that you, over time, are able to implement things that, that are embedded in a U.S. approach, mm -hmm. the more people become savvy around these things. You know, they've they imported a lot of talent from the U.S. When, when universities were starting up their development, fundraising, and alumni relations programs, they hired a lot of U U.S. Mm -hmm. talent, I'm one of them, in the hopes that we could bring with us some experience and embed that in a, in a U.K. Strategy, so so they that that's starting to stick some of mm -hmm. that stuff, and I think the other thing that's happening is that the student body, the current student body, and again I go back to this notion of charging fees, they are expecting more mm -hmm. from their institutions, and mm -hmm. so that that's sort of forcing the issue somewhat, sure. I would say, because we've been paying fees in the U.S. forever, we've right. been paying through the nose to go to university, so that 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 relationship of I pay you and you give me something back thing has been going on forever. Right. So it's now starting here and I think mm. we're picking up some good ways of meeting that expectation based on what the U.S. has done. Mm. Okay, thank you. So where do you get your inspiration to make Oxford alumni community the best that it can be? It well, it's, it, um, it's, it is really interesting coming into an institution that is so sort of entrenched in tradition. You know, on the one hand, you have to honor that, and that's great. Mm -hmm. And it's also fabulous because it means that there's been some infrastructure there to be able to, to tap into. But the downside of that is because we're an established office with an established way of doing things, the challenge for us is how do we stay sort of innovative and responsive. And I get, I get a lot of inspiration out of uh, meeting other people and talking to other colleagues from other institutions. I, I really find I'm not a person who reads textbooks on alumni relations. I might read an article here and there, absolutely. But I really love going to conferences and talking to people. I find it really a privilege to sit down to understand what other institutions, how they're operating, how they're structured, all that. And I will take, I will take all the best practice I possibly can get from, mm. from other people. 
So speaking about this Nottingham gentleman, for instance, I was teaching at a case conference, cases this uh, organization, it's sort of a lobbying organization for higher ed and helps to support and train alumni relations and fundraising and alumni communications uh, officers at universities and, and schools around the world, actually. And I teach as a volunteer for them in their Alumni Relations Institute. And it's great to, to get together with my fellow um, faculty. So there were five of us, I think, that taught at this conference over three days in last month. And, and I learned so much from my fellow faculty, mm -hmm. but I learned so much from the people who are sitting in, in, the, in the sessions because they bring with them such an interesting perspective. And some of them are, are neophytes, have never, never done this work before, so they're really kind of coming at it maybe from industry or something, and you learn a lot from mm -hmm. how other people perceive of you and your, and your work. So that's sort of where I find my most inspiring moments is really through other people mm -hmm. and what they do. I remember a, a wonderful interview with a woman, an ancient woman, on the radio. She was um, turning 100, and it was the classic, you know, sort of vapid question. You know, Mrs. McGillicuddy, tell me, what's been the secret to your longevity? <laughs> and she said really two things. One has been gratitude, was been an, an abiding sense of gratitude mm. for whatever, whether it's, you know, for my family or for my circumstances, but a sense of gratitude. And the other one, she said, was curiosity. She said, I I am just, I am who I am today because I'm interested. I'm just mm. interested. And I think that is, to, that is, I want to be her when I grow up. I think those <laughs> are the two most fabulous qualities and really um, inspiring in terms of keeping an eye, your eye on the ball. Right. No, mm. absolutely. And that's what an alumni association can create is absolutely. bringing people from very different walks mm. of life and different disciplines together to learn mm -hmm. from each other, to connect, mm. and to stay interested. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, especially once you start, you know, you get into the world of work, you very quickly fall into your silos. Exactly. And good mm. alumni association can help break you out and to learn about mm -hmm. new things, as you said. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. And what do you wish that students who have left educational institutions that have alumni associations, what do you wish that they would know something that you think, gosh, I wish they would know this, but seem to not. I, I think I wish they would know that we're here. You know, I think that's every alumni association, every alumni relations director wants their constituents to know that we're here for them. And I think that's the thing is, is sort of cutting through all the noise. You know, there is and then there's a lot out there for people. Mm -hmm. And I think I just would want to be sure that our graduates understood and appreciated the fact that this was a place to come back, to recharge, to re-engage, to find value, to get that next that next opportunity or to get reinforced or, or, you know, any number of things. I just would want them to know that. And I don't think they do all of them. I really don't. I think there is because of, of just the nature of, of how harried our lives are and how sort of um, the way, the way we've always talked to our, our constituents hasn't always been clear on that. Hmm. We haven't always clarified it. So well, it's a good thing to keep in mind that you can always yeah. reach out well, exactly. to your alumni association and find out. And I think the message needs to be slightly different at different times, too. Okay. That's the other thing is that we have to be, as as professionals, we have to be really mindful of the fact that, you know, you, Kinga, at this moment in your life 
are needing to hear a certain message mm -hmm. that you can go when you are, you know, 20 years fast forward, you're going to need to hear a different message. Right. And we have to be present mm -hmm. in those different time spans. And we have to be relevant and not simply, it's not one size fits all. It's not one message. It is all about knowing and understanding what you need from us and yeah. being able to articulate that, right. that we have it for you. Well, that's really interesting to get a glimpse into this world and uh, and how to hold together a community that is, I mean, I can't imagine someone trying to hold together a more diverse community than, than a big university's alumni association. So before we end, I would just like to find out from you, is there something that inspires you that you would like to share with our listeners, something that a book or a film or a mm. quote that well, you find inspirational? Um, I think it is, it's interesting, the inspiration, because it, it comes in so many different shapes and sizes, and I'm, I'm not simply a product of my job. So, so uh, as I said a moment ago, I'm not somebody who reads textbooks about mm -hmm. alumni relations and that kind of thing. But I do think we find inspiration. I mean, I, it, I, I am a manager, for one. I am somebody who oversees a team. And so really always sort of aware of and worried about, you know, how well am I leading my team and what are the issues there? So, so I do try to find where I can the kind of inspiration that keeps me aware of that and, and questioning and, mm -hmm. and asking the important questions. And I went to a fantastic seminar last Tuesday in London um, that was led by a woman called Claire Andrews, who is a, she's a trained coach and, and professional speaker, motivational speaker, but also a, a, a management trainer and she channels the work of a woman called Nancy Klein who has done work on something called the thinking environment and it was just a very inspiring day it was a very tiny seminar just um, five of us plus Claire leading us five of us came from completely different backgrounds professionally there was me there was somebody from a, a, a big organization within government there was somebody else who was a professional theater theatrical producer there was somebody else who worked for another big charity there was somebody else who was in between jobs thinking about what the next thing was for her but we were all sort of struggling with thinking about how do we how do we think about our our professional lives and, mm -hmm. and positioning ourselves and be the best we can be in all mm -hmm. this and and this exercise that we went through this day that we spent sort of analyzing our, our situations through the lens of this thinking environment was really powerful. And so having those opportunities to kind of dip into those professional development exercises, I think is really energizing. Getting out of the office, getting out of what your normal day is and, and having a chance, it's very selfish, but to, to really just focus in on you, what you need, because you spend right. so much time thinking about the people you work with. Mm -hmm. that it's very rare you get a chance to think about yourself. So that was just lovely. I would encourage anybody to be able to do that. Great. Well, thank you so much. And this was a real pleasure. So thank Kinga, you. Kinga, thank you. It's a joy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Great.